Welcome to Sound Prints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prints for the week of August 28, 2016. ACB President Kim Charlson posted the following announcement on the ACB list this week. To Humana members, we need your feedback. Last year, Humana, ACB, and three blind Humana customers announced that the insurance company had agreed to provide script talk, talking, and Braille prescription labels to all members through its online pharmacy and in its seven store locations in Florida. The company also agreed to provide members with alternative formats for all insurance information, including explanation of benefits, EOBs, privacy statements, billing, and other documents. Alternative formats include Braille, large print, audio, and accessible PDF. Our agreement with Humana was reached in structured negotiation with Laney Feingold and Linda Dardarian as our lawyers. Now that it is one year since our agreement was announced, we want to hear from you about how Humana is doing. If you are a Humana member, please let us know by emailing Laney at lf at lflegal.com or by leaving a message at 510-548-5072. This is Laney's office number. If you are getting talking or braille labels from Humana, please let us know how the system is working. And if you have requested that your insurance documents come in alternative formats, let us know about that too. We are also interested in hearing about any other accessibility issues with the company. Lastly, if you are a Humana member and have not asked for accessible labels or alternative formats, we encourage you to do so today. Humana has been a great negotiating partner with ACB and is very committed to its accessibility initiative. The more requests they get for accessible services, the better. You can visit Humana's Accessibility Information page at https colon slash slash www.humana.com slash accessibility dash resources. You can read last fall's Humana's press release here at www.lflegal.com slash 2015 slash 09 slash Humana dash press. Thank you for supporting ACB's efforts to improve the accessibility of health care. The Humana negotiations began when ACB members contacted us about problems with the company's services. The advocacy of those individuals changed the policies of one of the largest health care companies in the United States. There are several new people on the ACB Board of Directors and the ACB Board of Publications this year, and several others have moved into new positions. Here on Soundprints, we try to give you a chance to meet members of the ACB boards and to find out a little about their background and interests. In the past few weeks, we have talked with Denise Colley 
from Washington State and with Dan Dillon from Hermitage, Tennessee. Denise moved from her appointed position on the Board of Publications to a director position on the ACB Board. When Denise won her election to the ACB Board in July, President Kim Charlson announced that Susan Glass of California would join the BOP and that the other appointed member of the Board of Publications, Ron Brooks from Arizona, would become the BOP chair. We know you'll enjoy meeting Susan Glass on page two. The World Blind Union meets once every four years, each time in a different location around the world, and this year it was held in Orlando, Florida. Join us for a glimpse into this significant meeting of blind people from around the world as we talk with Mitch Pomerantz, the Vice President of the World Blind Union, upon his return to California at the conclusion of the WBU conference. Mitch is on page 3. And on page 4 is a Soundprints calendar. Page 2. Visiting with us today on Soundprints is Susan Glass. Susan is from California and she is one of the brand new members on the ACB Board of Publications and we're going to meet her today. So welcome Susan. Thank you, Carla. It's a pleasure to be here. Susan, tell me about yourself. And I know, what I know is that you are a big audio description enthusiast. And, uh, and so tell us uh, about that, how you got involved with that, but also introduce this to Susan. Okay, okay. Well, um, I'll, I'll start by talking a little bit how I became involved in ACB because it's become such an important part of my life. Okay. I joined ACB in October of 2005 when I joined my local um, California Council chapter and started going to convention and, in 2006 and haven't missed one since. And it's a bug, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bug, and, and I realized that that puts me in really newbie status because some people, you know, I mean, that's that 10 years is nothing, right? But <laughs> it's it's been great fun, and um, I've enjoyed getting to know my colleagues so much and um, have been especially happy and active in the American Association of Blind Teachers, the Friends in Art affiliate, and um, most recently, of course, in the Audio Description affiliates. Right. Um, we have, as you know, a wonderful audio description project in ACB, um, and the steering committee is capably and joyfully chaired by Dan Spoon. He's got such charisma. He does. <laughs> He's just a delight to work with. And, have you uh, heard his voicemail no, on his phone? Oh, my goodness. It's just like nobody should have that happy a voicemail, you know. But they yeah, do. Yeah. I mean, it's just high energy, you know, it's yeah. just the way it, and that's the way he is. And that's the way he is, whatever, yeah. whatever he's leading, and, and such a good listener, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that's been just a joy, and, and being on that committee and being on the ADP Conference Planning Committee and the, and the um, Performing Arts, I just, I love the collegiality, I love the outstanding, um, smart, fun people I've had a chance to interact with in ACB. It's really been a pleasure. I became interested in audio description about 15 years ago, while I was still teaching, I worked for 30 years as an English professor and also women's studies professor. And some of my colleagues um, started going to local. We started going to local theater together, and it turned out that one of our theaters in Mountain View, California, and also in Palo Alto, 
had um, the Theater Works Company had an audio describer, um, Mark Messersmith, who uh, was um, leading something called the Visual Voice. I got hooked on it there, and some people get hooked on audio description through uh, television and films first, but with me it started with performing arts. I think because I've always loved music and I've always loved poetry, performance, and so on. And once you go to a play and everything's described and you learn about costumes and you learn about set design and you learn about the lighting and you learn what the characters are wearing and you hear the playbill and you even learn things from the audio describer that other people don't know, like, oops, that guy just fell off his perch over there, but don't worry, you know. Um, you, you become delightful fully hooked and that's really what happened and I just I absolutely love it so um, I I'm I love teaching people about it everywhere we've got a group now from our Vista Center for the Blind in Palo Alto California and uh, they now regularly or we now regularly go to the audio described plays as a group the Vista staff help drive us and we generally have a meal first and then go to a play together and um, just so much fun it, it, it really is um, mm -hmm. and um, you you may know also that um, the Audio Description Project and ACB are resurrecting the Young Describers Film Critic Award. Yes. And that the contest is off to a good start again this year. We've we've got a lovely task force of people from all over the country together working on that, and I'm I'm super excited about that too. So um, I don't mean to sound like a cheerleader, but you know it's it's fun to find it's fun to find people who really want to work on things and who get things done and kind of pull in the same yoke and talk to each other. And I've always liked leadership that was collaborative more than single. When I was chair of our English department at West Valley College, I was a co-chair. And when they asked me to chair, that was my stipulation. I said, let's make sure we have two chairs because two brains are better than one. And my, my colleague was really good with the budget, and the budget scared me to death. And <laughs> I got over that fear. But my point is that I think sometimes we, we work best when we – pool our talents. You're getting involved in 2005, going to convention in 2006, being involved in all of these projects and things. Um, I, I think that's um, it's really uh, interesting. I was very interested to hear that you had been appointed to the BOP um, because it is often said that um, that it's not possible for new people to get involved in things in ACB. Oh, the same people do the same things all the time. And you can go back and look at the people on the board of directors or on the BOP, and you can see when you look at it over time, you see that there is a definite rotation of people mm -hmm. and, and and different people that move on and off. Now, that doesn't happen all in one year. And, and that wouldn't be a good idea for that all to happen in one year. But, you know, here you are. You've been an ACB as, as, it, as it often goes. Um, I mean, 10 years is a pretty good length of time, but it's also a short period of time in the whole aspect of the whole organization. Boards, the BOP is, is one of the, um, I guess it probably would be second to the board of directors in the structure in ACB. And it has it does things that are separate and apart from the board of directors. The board of directors does not just pull the BOP strings and say thou shalt, and the BOP says okay. You know? Right, right. So right. the BOP has its area that that it 
says, we think this is what's a good idea, and the board of directors then needs to listen to what the BOP says. So it's a very interesting division of tasks and duties within the organization. Yes. Okay, so you were a um, you were a professor mm -hmm. uh, of English, and how about uh, uh, you know did where did you go to school? Um, what were some of your hobbies? What did you like when you were in in school, and what are your hobbies now? Well, I went to uh, public schools in um, Campbell, California, which is kind of the area where I grew up, and then I did my undergraduate work at the University of California, Santa Cruz. But then I did a crazy, well, some would say it was crazy. I, I really wanted a different educational experience, and I had gone out to western Massachusetts in the summer of 1977 to an arts colony, um, and I fell in love with that part of the country. So I did my graduate work at UMass Amherst, and that's oh my where goodness. I got my master's in English. And it was, it was really fun. I had traveled abroad just a wee bit with my sister um, for a summer, but... I was I was not quite feeling like I had the sea legs to go overseas to study just yet, but I wanted to feel something that was really different. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, when you've never had a snowy winter, um, <laughs> well, I had them in Michigan, but I was too little to remember. When you've never had a snowy winter and you go out to grad school and suddenly you discover your cane travel in the snow and all your landmarks get covered up and you have to figure out where you are, and then someone decides to snow plow and put the... <laughs> snowbank into the crosswalk yes. so you're climbing over it's it is interesting it 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 truly <laughs> is but i'm i'm not complaining i it was everything i expected it to be it was a brand new experience there were you know there are subtle differences in americans all over the country and in, in the way we are and the way we think it was really uh, a, a terrific experience i think one of the best parts of the graduate program out of there was the the creative writing major that I was a part of, but also their teaching program because they had mentor teachers. And in our second year, we were all put into classrooms with senior teachers who helped us teach. But this, you know, here's your group of freshmen, you're teaching comp, this is what you're doing, and, and mm. really nurtured us. And I think for me, I mean, that's what I love about ACB is the opportunity for mentorship. If you're willing to listen to the people around you, you can grow and be grown, you know, mm -hmm. in ways that are, mm -hmm. that are really good. So that um, that happened, and uh, I, I earned a master's in fine arts and came back to California because my family um, was living here at the time and sure. um, started teaching at the state university. I taught there for 14 years and then did a little bit of teaching throughout the, the community at uh, Intel Business Institute and a private university, Santa Clara, and then my last 16 years with the community college, and that's where I was really, really happy. Um, my other hobbies, um, I, I, I love to write. Um, I, I'm a, a, a poet and a, um, perform that and teach that whenever I can. Um, I'm a musician. I sing and play flute. Um, love birding. I learned to bird by ear when I was about four or five. Oh. And one of my favorite things to do is record birds and take people on birding workshops and go out birding with people who either can or cannot see because it's really fun to pull everybody's talents again. You know, we're back to collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, thoroughly enjoy that and, and uh, hiking. Um, uh, I like yoga. Um, I love to read. Um, so... Um, Keep keep pretty busy. I have I'm on, I'm on my third guide dog, and one of the things that are that's great about having guide dogs is that you keep moving. Um, and one of my main reasons to get a dog was so that I had an excuse to do all the walking I like to do. You know, it's, 
three miles in a day is, is normal for me, and it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to say, yeah, I have this appointment to keep. Well, who are you? Well, it's my dog, actually, but we're going. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and uh, in California, you you don't have the excuses for not going for not wanting to go out uh, no. like the snow. No, no. I mean, we have our rainstorms, and you just put on your monkey walks and go out and get wet, you know. But <laughs> you know, but that's but um, yeah, that's, um, that's that's pretty much you know the things. And um, we we have a nice active um, CCV chapter here in Silicon Valley. I'm I'm president of our local chapter and edit that newsletter, and we've got a very large membership. We just had our picnic last Saturday, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh, I I. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Carla, because when I was a child um, going to public schools, I knew other blind children who were in our in our resource program, but I didn't really know any blind adults, mm-hmm. and I didn't really get to know blind adults until I was 49 and I joined CCB and ACB. Oh. And it's funny how those things happen to you. You know, you mm-hmm. get pieces of your life that gets fit in later, um, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that that has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that there is um, a, a pretty big difference between writing for um, on paper, say a newsletter that you're publishing on paper, and and writing a piece for the internet for a web page? Yes, I have to think so differently about formatting, and you know, I I grew up. Brailing and then typing. You remember typewriters? Oh remember yes, those old things. Oh Pop, yes, <laughs> and that uh, you know. And There's still back. one in my basement. I like them. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I still crave that three-dimensional space. And I find that whether when I'm working on a note taker or when I'm working on a web page, I'm I'm still pretty new to the web side of things, um, mm-hmm. even as a a teacher and I used to have to have collegial help to format things because I'm just I don't I still don't you know what I what I wish I had is some sort of a a braille display that was as big as the screen itself mm-hmm. so that I could see the whole 3D layout because I just crave that totality of things mm-hmm. and I and I do find that that is different and, and you know even if you're working as a as a poet or as a journalist, you're still thinking about, well, how big is this really, how big is, is 1,000 words? What does mm-hmm. that really look like right. when you translate that into a print document or you put that down onto a page? And then the other thing that's, that's a new challenge is the tendency with web content, if I understand it correctly, is for items to be shorter, mm-hmm. and you have hyperlinked text. Right. So you have a small chunk of text, and then you click on this link, and it takes you over to this small, and you have to learn to think in these small bytes. And, you know, William Faulkner would probably have a cow. You know, I can't put, you want me to do what to my sentence? You know. Yes. Uh, and, it, um, certainly, it certainly has something to say about the change in our attention span, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes. And, um, and I, have a, I have a little bit of difficulty chunking myself into these little, but I'm learning. I'm learning yeah. because I work with, with other people who are able to do it. There's this whole category now called flash fiction, mm-hmm. and it's where people write really, really short poems pieces, poetry pieces or, or prose pieces that are you know, 50 words long and you know we're starting to define our thoughts by the tweet and I'm think, and I'm saying well, okay maybe but you yeah, know right. if you're going to tell me about the last visit you made with your elderly father you're going to need more than your tweet let's sit down exactly 
can't I have a problem saying anything in 140 characters I, I do can't too. I have I've got a Twitter account and uh-huh. I, you know I just get on there if if I absolutely need to check something that somebody has posted and I've seen it referred to somewhere else I'll get on Twitter but otherwise I'm you're not going to find me on Twitter I just can't do that 140 character thing no nope. I can do the Facebook thing and put it in a paragraph and, and you know if it's much longer than that people don't read it on a Facebook page I can, I can do that but that 140 character business uh-uh. it's, you know. it's pretty crazy it's and really also crazy. I don't know if this just drives you bonkers or not but it does me is the way people shorten things up if they want to have if they want to say you are here they put a you and they put an R and and then here I mean it just butchers all the 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 spelling the language the um the punctuation and then they have the audacity to blame grade two braille for making people bad spellers I mean really no, it is, and it's the same problem with the ampersand. Please say and. If you're yes. writing a bullet list, fine, but please use this word. That's what it was invented for. You know, it's, right. No, when I was when I was teaching, and and as my students began to text more, I began to see more and more because I was teaching mainstream college settings, and mm-hmm. I began to see more and more spelling difficulties. People mm-hmm. just weren't, you know, oh, no. spelling. It has nothing to do with grade two braille. It has to do with not using the language. I saw a post today mm-hmm. put out by and you might have seen the same one uh it was an announcement of a transcriber position at ohio state yes i did see that it, um did you read it with speech or with braille i read it with speech this morning because all right I was, kind of, I was kind of in a hurry i hate to tell you but there is a um grammatical error well, I would call no. I'll call it a punctuation error. Mm-hmm. It, I think about in the first sentence. That's because they used an apostrophe s instead of a just a plain s. Oops. Oh, it just drives me crazy, Susan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it just does. Yeah. And coming from a college, a, a major university, and here's this mistake. Yes. And you're yes. thinking, you know, I'm just thinking, how can we expect our young people, or students to write correctly if we don't have to do that ourselves we can't we can't and that's that's why reading as I said you know I was rushing but I mean if I'm reading with any care it's with my fingers for that reason you might as well have put only one C inaccurate to do that (laughs) yes well sometimes I think they do (laughs) I know know. unfortunately well I think it's it's fascinating this is why I like to do these kinds of interviews because um you know, when when you hear a person, okay, a person has been in academia, person is interested in in art and in in those kinds of things. You don't also think of that person being interested in the outdoors. You know, oh. the two things are not exactly what you normally think of. Not that it's abnormal, but but you don't normally think of the person being interested in going out and hiking. You know, oh, we, our mother, my my sister, and, and um. My sister is Jolyn Bailey Page. She's right. the, the She's grant writer for we, ACB. We grew up yep. hiking, and our mother was always on her hands and knees, showing us plants and rocks. And I mean, it just this is just the way we lived. And I started riding horses when I was ten. Um, I I get 
nervous if I can't gauge a season by, you know, what birds I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I pay more attention to the natural world when I'm out traveling than people. And I can't imagine a life without the outdoors. It just, yeah, so much. And it, it affects what I write. It affects everything. And it's just a whole ecological and I perspective. And I am so grateful to, to our mother who had that sensibility. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, we would just, we would come home. Well, there were two wonderful things. One was, one was her attention to the outdoors. And the other was that she was an avid reader and took everyone to the library when we first moved to California and got us library cards and immediately signed me up for talking books mm. and started giving me books to read that were actually way above grade level before I could read them in Braille because she knows that you can comprehend faster Absolutely. than you can start, you know, and she, she yes. was a teacher, and so yes. she knew all this stuff. And she just she was just an amazing, an amazing, and is an amazing soul. And, what are your um, favorite um, types of books or authors? Let's see. Who do I love? Well, I, I love a lot of international um, authors. Do you know um, Abraham Verghese? I just finished reading uh, Cutting for Stone. Um, oh. I, uh, I, um, I like, um, oh, it's going right on, the, the gentleman who wrote A Suitable Boy, um, Vikram Seth from mm -hmm. India. It's mm -hmm. got to be one of the longest novels in the English language, but oh. it's it absolutely, that's not why I love it. I mean, he writes just uh, beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, but I like I like books that transport me all over the world, you know, into world, mm -hmm. you know, cultures. Um, mm -hmm. I like um, Ken Follett. I like historical uh, novels. Mm -hmm. um, I like a lot of poets. I read, I read as many poets as I can get my fingertips on. And poetry is something that I prefer to read and then hear mm -hmm. because there's a performance element to it, but there's also the, the graphical element, you know, mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, um, I read... Um, Oh, who do I like as poets? I like uh, Mary Oliver, mm -hmm. um, Dorian Lowe, or Look, um, mm -hmm. Marie Howe. There's a lot of contemporary, really, really, Billy Collins, mm -hmm. um, just some really good people out there. Um, and uh, just love to read. Can't stop. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I must say, NLS and Bard do a wonderful job, and so does Bookshare. You know, we are very lucky oh. to live in the time and age that we live in. But I we see NLS are. making effort upon effort upon effort to be current and to, to be varied. It's, it's really exciting. My first, my first experience with audiobooks, I, I was a Braille reader from the start, in, in kindergarten, and my mother would always make sure that I had magazines and things and books to read mm -hmm. at home. The mm -hmm. school didn't have, she didn't wait for the school to tell her, okay, it's time. Right. Um, Good. You know, that was, that. it was just her thing. She, um, she just was a, a, a natural when it came to, uh, and she was a Braille reader, both my parents were Braille readers, and they just insisted that yeah. I was going to read, but yeah. also, um, when, when talking books, um, when when there were some children's things to read on talking book, uh, we had them in our house, whether the school approved or not. That didn't yeah. that didn't matter. Yeah. And I remember being having the measles when I was about eight or nine, and being home and reading a talking book while I couldn't go to school. Well, the school librarian wouldn't have approved, but that was just too bad. Too darn bad. That's you were happy. That's right. <laughs> Got to do, do something with that good measles time. That's you know? right. Well, what, what I remember was hearing Charlotte's Web mm -hmm. 
read as a talking book and then being given my very own copy for Christmas in the second grade. And I memorized the book. I was walking around reciting the book, carrying my Braille book to the breakfast table and reading to the rest of the family whether they wanted me to or not. <laughs> well, when, when I was in fourth grade, the teacher um, did not, the teacher would want the kids read to, but... Um, and she she didn't do a lot of reading. I don't remember her reading to the class. I had the book, and mm-hmm. and I read from the Braille book uh-huh. to the rest of the class. And I remember us reading, you know, Betsy and the Boys and oh, sure. uh, B is for Betsy and yeah, all of those yeah. books. And then when we would have readers, you know, you would painfully wait for a student that couldn't read to read that and think, oh, why don't I just read it for them? Yeah, I, right. I was too young to figure out that wasn't going to do them any, any, give them any help. You know, they right. really did right. need to read for themselves. But um, but reading is just such a wonderful thing, and um, we are so fortunate to have so many choices today. When you think back to, I, I was in elementary school in the 1950s, and we had a very few books. I mean, there might have been one shelf of children's books in the library to pick mm-hmm. from that were recorded, and now, I mean... It's you can just download them. You don't have to wait for somebody to to um, send you the records. You you know it's it. You don't have to worry if someone has scratched the record, right. broken the tape. You know whatever exactly. as time has gone on. I mean, the availability of reading materials today is just phenomenal, and I I just can't wait to see what happens in the next few years. You know. I do want us to keep reading Braille and keep yes. reminding everybody who needs reminding that that is our language that our, it, it it is our yeah. you cannot your brain doesn't even track the same way right. when you're listening right. to material as when you're reading it and don't you think this this new orbit coming out is going to make exciting. a huge difference yeah i yeah. think it will i, I think, think they're going to find I think out that these yeah. are the ways that we can that we can help yeah. parents understand this and help schools understand yes. that, that we really need to keep reading Braille. I think they're not going away. I think they're going to be amazed at how many Braille readers they discover there really are. Oh, yes. You know, yeah, people I, I are going to want to read Braille again. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Susan, I really, really, really appreciate your time. This has been wonderful and so glad you're on the BOP. Looking forward to all of those long monthly meetings that we have, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. I am humbled and honored to to be a part of the BOP, and I know that this is my time to be a mentee a little bit, at least in this part of the organization, and um, I'm ready to do that, and I I really appreciate you um, letting me be a part of SoundPrint, a program which I enjoy very much. Page three. I'm speaking with Mitch Pomerantz. Mitch has just returned from the World Blind Union meeting recently concluded in Orlando, Florida. WBU meets once every four years, and um, this time we were fortunate to have it in the United States. Mitch is the vice president of the North American Caribbean region, and uh, so we're going to visit with him today. He's going to tell us a little bit about what went on in Orlando, the issues that were covered, and just give us an overview of WBU. So welcome, Mitch. Thank you, and uh, good afternoon uh, or evening or whenever you're you're hearing this. Yes. 
So tell us about what what uh, what went on in Orlando. Uh, I know the meeting extended over several days. It uh, almost sounded like an ACB convention in that you were there, what, five or six days? Oh, I was there eight. Eight, um, okay. The, the WBU actually, for the second time, held uh, our meeting in conjunction with the International Council for the Education of Blind and Visually Impaired, uh, a SEVI, and um, the meetings ran, um, or, or the sessions ran, from August 19th through uh, the 26th. Mm -hmm. um, the first several days were WBU, and then uh, we had joint plenary sessions with the SEVI, mm -hmm. and then the SEVI for the last uh, day or day and a half had their own their own program. But I came in on the 18th because I am a member of the uh, executive. Uh, each of the six regions uh, elect four members to the executive, um, president, vice president, and two representatives from the six regions. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, we had uh, our executive, what's called the EXCO, mm -hmm. meeting on the 18th. So I had to come in a day early. Uh, the EXCO met, met uh, on Sunday the, whatever that was, the 20th, mm -hmm. I think, and then uh, the regions met a couple of days later, uh, elected uh, their representatives. There were some changes, and the EXCO met again on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, the 24th. So we, we did that. Uh, we had those meetings, so we were actually there. Donna and I were there from the 18th and left on the 26th. Okay. And and so, um, what does what does the WBU do? I mean, it's it's international, so therefore, it it really, uh, um, or at least we wouldn't see a lot of things that they actually do in the United States. Well, but, but tell us what they, what what sure. what purpose do they serve? Well, of course, the World Blind Union uh, was a. Uh, a combination of two earlier organizations, yes. uh, International uh, Federation of the Blind and World Council for the, um, the Welfare of the Blind. And that happened in the mid-'80s. That happened. The, the two organizations came together in 84. I think the mm -hmm. first uh, the joint meeting of the WBU was 84. Basically, you have, um, within WBU then, you have organizations of the blind and you have agencies for the blind. And in a significant number of the developing nations, uh, including Africa and Asia particularly, um, you have primarily uh, agencies uh, that provide services for blind and, and visually impaired persons. The easiest way to uh, kind of analogize what the WBU is, which, which a lot of people, I think, will <laughs> probably not uh, especially care for, but it really is the United Nations of the Blind. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, in our in our way, I think we do get things done. I think I think the WBU uh, was was very much involved in in getting initially the uh, UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities passed, um, and the UN, uh, in fact, has approved it. And as we know. Three or four years ago, it came up for a vote in the Senate here in the United States, um, and, and it did not pass, although it came very close to passage. But uh, we were very much involved in that. Um, now, Mitch, let me ask you. Yes. Okay. So this this has been passed by the UN, mm -hmm. and it obviously is um, of importance to the WBU, naturally, since they supported it and worked on it very hard. Um, so s since it has passed, since it is a treaty within the UN, um, and and we did not pass it, are, then the United States is not bound by that treaty? And that is correct. Okay. Um, and, you know, depending on how things turn out uh, with the upcoming elections, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it can be brought back. But beyond that, and, and, and much of what's in the U.N. Convention, we have in U.S. law, the Americans with Disabilities Act, mm -hmm. Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, but mm -hmm. still, um, you know, we think, or I think at least, uh, that it would be good for us to pass the U.N. Convention. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, the other, the other major treaty that, uh, that uh, WBU was involved with, of course, was the Treaty of Marrakesh. Marrakesh, yes. Uh, which uh, which opens borders for the distribution of books for blind and visually impaired persons around the world. And the example I use to kind of bring home why why it's important, even though we're still the largest producer of books in the world, is uh, you know, our visit to Spain uh, three years ago. And, and the organization, the Spanish National Organization of the Blind, puts out um, thousands of books a year in Spanish mm -hmm. for uh, the blind uh, and visually impaired persons of that country. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to that, and we have a, a growing number of blind and visually impaired Spanish speakers. Yes. And so it is important for that population in this country to have access to those to those books and that's why the treaty of marrakesh is important we haven't passed it yet it has just come out of the uh out of the uh, executive branch of uh you know, the president and and the uh, the state the secretary of state's office um, and we uh, will probably bring it up for a vote sometime, or have it brought up for a vote sometime next year, mm -hmm. when um, you know when Congress comes back to session or when the Senate does. Mm -hmm. So those are two major issues yes. that that WBU has been involved with, played an integral role in. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been involved with helping to. Uh, what they, the term capacity building, helping, uh, helping organizations and agencies in, particularly developing nations, to to grow, to expand, to provide more services to their, to their blind and visually impaired uh, constituents, uh, been involved with the silent car issue, trying to get international standards. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're in pretty good shape here in the U.S. Right. Uh, because of uh, of our uh, legislative efforts, but internationally, um, there are some issues still regarding whether those uh, whether the sound that the silent car makes to let us know that they're there will uh, can be turned off by the driver. Um, whether it when it is if it is operable, whether it will uh, run whether it will make a sound when the car is stopped. There are still some, some significant issues there. So those are some of the issues that the WBU uh, has been and continues to be in, uh, involved with. When the meetings at WBU take place, um, there, there's got to be a lot of logistics involved. Um, I know ACB radio broadcast WBU and has done so in the past, um, and but when when you're there, it, it has to be a really, I would think, impressive uh, kind of thing because you have all these people from all of these many many countries and speaking all of these different languages, and there there has to be, of course, I'm sure some commonality because the meetings are going to be conducted. And what are they conducted in English and then uh, translated? They are conducted in whichever language the presiding officer mm-hmm. is speaking, and okay. the three primary languages are English, Spanish, and French. Okay. All of us had uh, little uh, uh, receiver devices similar to the ones that when you go to see an audio described movie, and so. Uh, with a headphone, a headset, you could wear it, and if the uh, presiding officer or one of the panel members, because there were there were panels and and keynote addresses and such, if the uh, speaker was speaking in Spanish or French, uh, you would get a simultaneous English translation. Mm-hmm. So that was one aspect of the logistics. We were just told that in uh, in four years, the tenth quadrennial, because this was the ninth, that we have been made an offer to also have a translation into Arabic. So in four years, it looks like there will be four languages, uh, you know, uh, dealt with at the at the next quadrennial meeting. So those logistics had to be dealt with. So many of the uh, delegates, particularly from developing nations, could not afford to come. So WBU is sponsoring a number, uh, a significant number of uh, delegates. Um, Where we, does WBU get its money? From dues and from some grants. And and the issue, you know, I felt like I was at a at an ACB uh, meeting because there was a <laughs> lot of conversation about sustainability and about <laughs> being able to, to make ends meet over the next uh, yeah. next few you would have loved it Carla you you would have you would have loved it you would have felt right at home oh. <laughs> because because um, there's a real concern mm-hmm. about uh, about operating in the black and and so you know those were there, there was quite a discussion about sustainability over the next four years there was even a resolution introduced um, by Japan, which is a developed nation, but pays as the United States 
and and you know many of the European nations and Canada uh, the the highest dues, mm-hmm. and that's causing a hardship for uh, the Japanese. So there, you know, they there's real concern about that. So you know those those issues were certainly addressed, and and again in terms of logistics. Um, until you've traveled outside the United States, you really don't know how different things are here. We're used to pretty much traveling on our own. You know, we, we may ask someone with a little more vision to assist us. We may ask directions. But in most of the rest of the world, world blind people don't travel by themselves. So the NFB, who was the host for this conference, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure we mentioned it was in Orlando, Florida, uh, so in case we didn't, uh, it was in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, they provided volunteers who basically did what uh, NFB does, and that is to have people uh, throughout the uh, the halls and the hotel itself announcing periodically where activities were taking place, where the elevators were, where the where the uh, exhibit hall was and the and the grand ballroom, so uh, they needed dozens of volunteers mm-hmm. to uh, to do that. So the logistics were were incredible. I my understanding, and I was told by a pretty reliable source, uh, to put this conference on cost slightly under a million dollars. Oh my goodness! Uh, so uh, you can only imagine uh, yes. what goes into putting this kind of event together well and and uh but but your volunteers the volunteers basically just announced things they didn't walk with people well if 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 they were asked to uh in fact uh mark mauer at one of our regional meetings uh last year said that some of the delegates from overseas are going to find it very interesting when they ask for for someone to assist them to to a location, uh, it, they may be assisted by a blind person. So uh, I didn't experience that myself, but it it may well have happened because they, you know, they've had several conventions at that hotel and yes. therefore pretty familiar with the layout. Yes. Well, and of course, our 2009 convention was in that hotel. Yes. It was the Rosen Center, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And our 2009 convention was there, and. Um, it, it's it's not it's that is certainly not the most difficult hotel we've ever held a meeting in, but uh, it is big. Any hotel big enough to hold, um, you know, a convention like we have or uh, NFB has or WBU is going to be a, a large hotel and it's going to present some mobility issues. And yeah, and there and there were because there were, for example, two banks of elevators that right. went to different sleeping room floors. Right. Uh, there was NFB held a culture night on Monday evening that was across a, on the second floor, mm-hmm. uh, a skyway mm-hmm. uh, that you took, uh, similar to you know ones we've dealt with before. Right. But there was mm-hmm. a convention center, mm-hmm. probably two long blocks oh. uh, away. So you had to you walked across the skyway to the convention center and and to there to the big one of their big halls mm-hmm. for this culture night. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you got a lot of exercise. Yes. Well, you, you do that all right. Did they still have that deli in the hotel? They certainly did. That and, was a great uh, deli. It was. Donna and I uh, went there a couple of three different times, although our favorite restaurant, 
and it wasn't there in 2009. They have a Caribbean-themed oh. restaurant. Really? And uh, uh, half of it is at the pool, and half of it is inside, but oh. it was, even for Central Florida, unseasonably warm. It hit, I think, 97 one day with 80% humidity, so um, we did not venture out uh, hardly at all. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> but but the, this Caribbean restaurant was was excellent. We yeah. we uh, we had I think two lunches and a dinner there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and they still have the other restaurant, I guess. Uh, next they have to the they have Everglades. We yeah. had a good meal there with yeah. uh, uh, our regional president Charles Mossop, who mm-hmm. uh, a lot and he of he was at ACB. He was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, the Charlesons, and Charles and Donna and I had dinner there one night. So mm-hmm. uh, the Everglades is uh, is alive and well as as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, where will it be in four years? Do we know? No, we do not. And we the next year, um, the WBU uh, CEO, who's Penny Harton, uh, when they work out, they're off of the corporate offices out of Toronto. Uh, we'll begin putting a bid package together, and we'll submit it to all of the 170-some-odd nations that are part of the WBU, mm-hmm. and folks can bid. And it'll be interesting because of the cost involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not inexpensive, obviously, to um, to put one of these on. Right. Uh, and four years ago, we were in... We were in Bangkok uh, eight years, Geneva 12 years ago. Uh, I did not attend that one, but it was in uh, Cape Town. Mm. So uh, who knows uh, <laughs> where it'll be in uh, in 2020. Well, keep the passport current, huh? Uh, ours is. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> you just didn't need it this year. <laughs> no, not this year. Uh, so <laughs> Although I think one of our... One of our um, no, yeah, we did a Caribbean, uh, one of our regionals was in Antigua, so we mm-hmm. did use the passport this year uh, for that for that trip. Now, um, the there was an election, and Fred Schroeder was elected as president? Yes. Okay. Um, Fred, uh, and I, I tell people, you know, uh, I, I think Fred's a pretty reasonable guy for a member of the other organization. <laughs> Fred and I have known each other for 40 years plus probably 40, almost 45 years. Mm-hmm. So. Fred was elected president. The first vice president of uh, WBU is a gentleman named Fernando Riano from Spain. Uh, second vice president is a lady named Ellie Macha from Tanzania, a longtime active member of, of WBU. Secretary general is a chap from India, A.K. Mittal, who is the former treasurer. And the uh, and the treasurer is a lady that uh, that I I know fairly well because uh, she does similar work in Auckland, New Zealand, to what I used to do for for the city of L.A. A lady named Mar- Martine Abel Williamson, and she's the new treasurer. And those individuals, along with the now immediate past president Art Holte of Norway, comprise what is called the table officers. They'd basically, in ACB parlance, be our uh, our officers, and they call them table officers. So mm-hmm. uh, in two years, and the table officers meet once a year, mm-hmm. but in two years, the EXCO, 
the executive committee, the, the, the representatives, the four of us from the six regions, mm-hmm. plus the international, there's also an international group um, from, from the international agencies, uh, along with the table officers, will meet. So we have one meeting between uh, the quadrennial meetings, and that meeting, it looks like, will be in uh, Toronto, excuse me, Ottawa, and it is because in 2018 it'll be the 100th anniversary of the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, which oh. is the big oh, yeah. agency in it's, Canada. Yes, yes. So that could be, even though that this happens um, in, in the uh, two years in, the, uh, in between those uh, larger meetings, this could be sort of like our mid-year. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, and so who decides then? Does the does the exco decide yes. where the next WBU will happen? Yeah, there'll be a recommendation by the table officers because again they meet yearly. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the table officers and the and the presidents of the regions meet mm-hmm. um, four times during the quadrennium, and uh, there will be a recommendation uh, from them. And then we will we will vote uh, at our uh, our midterm, so to speak, mm-hmm. meeting in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, where the next quadrennial meeting will be held. The the concern is, for example, this this last time NFB was the only bidder. Oh. Um, in in 12, uh, I think Bangkok had bid. Uh, in 2008, along with the Norwegian Association, and end up in, or with the uh, Swiss Association, mm-hmm. and and Geneva got it in in 12 or in eight, as I indicated, mm-hmm. and I think Bangkok, the Thai folks, may have been the only bidders for for that one. So, mm-hmm. you know, at least for me, there's a growing concern that because of the costs and and the logistics involved, yeah. the yeah. person power needed. It it may may be tougher and tougher to get viable bids. Yes, could be. Very well could be. Well, Mitch, we really appreciate you being with us on Sound Prince. It sounds like it's uh was a very very good, very productive meeting. And uh, of course, we look forward to uh, working on Marrakesh and hope that the United States will will um approve, will pass the Marrakesh Treaty. Will will uh, join the other nations that have approved it, and uh, uh, that will only benefit our um, our people as well as a lot of other people around the world. And I should say that because 20 nations, Canada being the most recent, have ratified the treaty, mm-hmm. it is now in force and effect. But it mm-hmm. again doesn't apply. But to it the doesn't US apply until... to us. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And this really, this really needs to happen here. So that, as you said, so we can use books from other places and and also so that others can benefit from what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. Really uh, glad to to hear about WBU and and want to remind people that um, the ACB radio broadcast did come from the World Blind Union meeting, and uh, I'm sure those are going to be archived 
uh, on ACB Radio, visit www.acbradio.org and check out the ACB events link. That is a place where you can find many, many, many things archived. So um, that would be a good place to look for for archives that uh, will be coming up in the future. Thanks again, Mitch. You're very welcome, Carla. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. You're invited to participate in the next ACB Lions Conference call on September 1 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The dial-in number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. Other highlights for September include the Greater Louisville Council Roundabouts on the 2nd, 9th, 23rd, and 30th. On the 16th, the roundabout will include the GLCB quarterly meeting. The Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold their September meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern, 605-475-4700. The code is 155619. On September 11, KCB Next Generation will have their conference call for the month at 8 p.m. Eastern. The dial-in number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. And on September 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have their meeting in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue. For more information on that meeting, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. September 21, the Tri-State Library users will hold its next in-person dinner meeting on Wednesday, September 21, from 6 to 8 p.m., at Clifton Pizza on Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. We hope you'll attend this meeting as we'll be planning tri-state activities at the KCB convention as well as other future programs. On September 24, the American Printing House for the Blind will present History of Talking Books for the Blind from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the APH Museum. APH has been recording talking books since the 1930s. Join them as they chat about the highlights of the last 75 years. This activity is free. It's best for older children and adults. Registration is required. Call 502-899-2213 to sign up. The Guide Dog Users of Kentucky's September meeting will be on Monday, September 26, at 7 p.m. by conference call. All guide dog users and anyone interested in guide dogs are welcome to attend. The dial-in number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. And finally, we remind you that the KCB convention is coming up the second weekend in November. Be sure to keep that weekend open on your calendar. We'll be bringing you lots of details in the coming weeks. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.